without going into too much detail, because we could do a whole podcast on what it is to be an effective CEO. Ultimately, the short answer is role profiles for each person and staying on profile for me, which for me meant mostly sales, marketing, leadership, and setting the vision and the direction. Hello, and welcome to Founder Stories, the podcast for small business owners. I'm your host, Simon Kalu, and I created this show not only to motivate and inspire, but to give you actionable strategies to take back into your business, shortcutting your route to success. Each week, I'll sit down with real and relatable business owners, uncovering how they've created a business that gives them freedom, creates impact, and makes money. So let's get started. Welcome to the first episode of Founder Stories by Grow Factor. It's been so exciting. This has been a thought of mine for about two or three years now. I love listening to podcasts. I hope you do too. And I wanted to bring a more relatable, practical podcast to business owners. This podcast will bring you true origin stories of business owners just like yourself, how they got started, what's made them successful, what's unique about them, their roadblocks, how they got through those, their lessons, and their top three key takeaways for you to take back to your business as practical action steps. I love listening to podcasts. I'm not going to mention any specific favorites on here, but I just found that as they grow, they get less and less relatable because their goal is to increase, and they specifically speak about this, increase the quality, increase the notoriety, the celebrity of their guests, which makes them, for me as a business owner running an owner-managed business that's just a reasonable size, and that's our ideal audience here, they become less and less relatable, the conversations become more and more high level, and it's less about practical steps. I'm listening to podcasts to help me learn. I want things to take back to improve my life as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, to improve my business. And it's kind of like at the start of those podcasts, they were really helpful in that way. But now two or three years in, they motivate me and they inspire me, but they're not necessarily helping me grow my business. So what we're trying to do with Founder Stories by Grow Factor is bring you entrepreneurs that are either startups or scaling up their business, typically less than the audit threshold in the UK, which is around 5 million in sales. So hopefully you'll be able to listen to their stories, be inspired, be motivated, but actually have a ton of practical notes at the end of each episode that you can go back, whether you're working on your own, you can start to implement some of them, whether you're working in a team, you can go back and share the episodes with your team and start to improve your business episode by episode. So I really hope you enjoy the podcast and you're as excited as I am about it. In today's episode, which is kind of like the beta test for this podcast, I am joined by none other than Yasser Khan, <laughs> who is the Chief Operating Officer at Grow Factor. I thought it would be kind of cool for us to sit down I'll let you introduce yourself in a sec, but um, for us to sit down and to start with the origin story of Grow Factor, who are sponsoring this podcast, so that for those of you that are starting to listen, you get an understanding of what we do, you know, how we started, how we've managed to scale, what our struggles were, and at least if you know us, you've got some context for what comes in the future, where we bring on our clients and our contacts and our friends who have their own businesses. So... Um, Yasser, if you want to introduce yourself, who you are, what you do. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. Um, should I say at the start, I feel honoured to be invited as the first guest on this podcast. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, like um, like Simon said, also a huge fan of podcasts. Um, anytime I'm driving in the car or anytime I have some spare net time at the gym or wherever it may be, um, try and get some useful information and, and, and some learning out from those podcasts. So where we can share our journey, hopefully, and my journey and, and my journey together with Simon's, it'd be, um, hopefully of some benefit to, to those in the, in a similar position. And even between us, 
uh, we've been on different journeys and that's something that that we'll go through. But yeah, I, I am now COO at Grow Factor, co-owner with, with Simon um, and more in terms of where we're at with Grow Factor, more um, my uh, my role more at Grow Factor is more in the day to day of the business and mentoring some of the staff we have um, and helping clients a bit more than what Simon does, where Simon um, looks after our internal development and our growth as a business. And my help is is making sure that the client delivery is right and making sure that we have our processes right as a business. So yeah, uh, I bring them in and you make sure that clients are happy and they get <laughs> delivered, right? Exactly, so, exactly that. So we're um, a tag team. And it, and um, it's even in here as a podcast, it, it, it's something that we speak about on the phone, on Zoom every day. So it'd be just nice to have the same conversation and, and relay it to others as well. Awesome. Okay, well, what we're going to do is kind of interview each other and hopefully that will be useful for you guys because you'll get an insight to my journey, how I started the business, how I got to the point of meeting Yasser, which was a pivotal moment for us and how that meant that as an owner, and I guess the majority of you guys listening to the podcast will be business owners, how I was able to utilize my team to kind of transition from 60, 70 hour work weeks to 20 hour work weeks when my kids were little. So I got to spend a lot of time with them. How we scaled the business from zero to seven figures in the first five years, which now when we speak to some of our clients seems like a really slow growth. But as an accountancy firm, you have to grow slowly because client delivery is so important. You can't grow faster than you can make sure you're doing a good job for your clients. So it's kind of different to maybe an e-commerce client that we might have that can go from zero to two million in two years because they've got the infrastructure, they have drop shipping, everything's in place. It's a product where you're delivering a service. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're a service business, I would highly recommend deliberately growing a bit slower and not thinking about others when you compare yourself if they're not in the same industry as you because your reputation is is everything. I'll try not to go off on too many side tangents <laughs> on this, but um, so we're going to talk about time. We're going to talk about how we both have young families and how that came about during the growth of Grow Factor, how we've both kind of dealt with that and managed to try and balance the enjoyment and stress of running a business with being a good husband and father at the same time and also having fulfillment in your life to do other things. What are our other kind of passions? Um, so I'll hand over to you. I've actually written Yasser some of these questions, yeah. so Planted he might, he might so throw in his own. So I'll try and I'll, I'll be quiet and hand over to you. Yeah, I think um, it, initially in the first place, what would be really useful is just to understand where the idea came from, why you got started. Why not just continue in a normal job, normal nine to five job like we all yeah, I guess so. Um, how I started, I qualified at KPMG. Um, I was in audit there. I did the chartered accountancy qualification there. And I just didn't really enjoy that environment because it was a big corporate business. I felt like they didn't really care about you as an individual. It was really good in hindsight and I had the wrong attitude because I learned a lot there. Um, I got access to CFOs, so chief financial officers of some of the world's biggest companies. And I should have really looked at that as an opportunity to learn. But because I was just in there ticking boxes, doing something that I felt was monotonous and beneath my intelligence level, I couldn't see the added benefit, you know, that I could go in, get my boxes ticked as an auditor, and then have a 10, 15 minute conversation with a really successful person. So my learning from that would be approach it in a different way. But at the time, I didn't enjoy it because I felt like the work I was getting given wasn't stimulating. It wasn't challenging me. And the culture and the environment was very much work over time, even if there's nothing to do. You just show that you're working extra. And so I left there and I went to Thomas Cook because my idea was kind of, let me go into industry and work within a group finance team. And it's a prestigious company and good salary and everything else. But... The problem with being in a finance team, as you know, is that there's probably four or five days hard work at a month end, 
and the rest of the month you're like twiddling your thumbs kind of unless there's project or year end or something like that and i don't like not being busy so that was another one that just didn't really work the other thing was i didn't get any fulfillment because ultimately we're reporting on profits of a large listed organization and those profits go straight to a handful of people who are uber rich and i just didn't feel like i was making a difference in the world so i was quite disillusioned maybe i guess looking back suffering a bit from depression related to work trying to work out what i was supposed to do in life i went and contracted at paramount pictures for a while i think you know this but uh, i haven't told this story for a while and same again like i went there because it's paramount pictures and it's cool and you know all of these things but actually i found out the entertainment industry is a really almost in the finance toxic culture of overwork and overtime and it just wasn't for me and then i think it's got to be a motivation right so in terms of your motivation because some people will go to work 9 to 5 yeah. and then forget about it because they know that they're going to be doing their own things in the evening yeah. so w- where was your what was the motivation for actually wanting to to like you said keep fulfilling yourself and keep growing as a person i don't know i think um my dad always pushed me as a kid to go into work employment and safety because he had his own businesses but when i was a kid i was knocking around his factory he had a big leather goods factory in birmingham which supplied you know marks and spencers top man top shop stuff like that and yeah he worked 7 days a week but he brought the kids to work we knocked around in there while he was having his meetings he drove a maserati <laughs> we had a really nice house um you know i had my own playroom we had a room just to listen to music which is crazy now i mean i'd yeah. love to have a room just to listen <laughs> to music so he was really successful but he pushed me down another road but i think probably subconsciously as a kid i saw that life of an entrepreneur i've never been someone i always used to get in trouble at school because i don't like being told what to do and i think most people who are listening to this who are business owners probably have a similar kind of personality i i don't i just don't like being told what to do rightly or wrongly and so i never felt happy in an environment where i was at the beck and call of someone else i wanted to be in charge of my own day to day do you think that's a common theme amongst other business owners that like you we look at the um famous example of richard branson for example who, yeah 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 you know he, you don't need to get the grades at school because he was expelled at 16 or, yeah. or whenever it was so but is it just a makeup of a business owner that they are ready to push the boundaries or they're not always going to listen to the rules because they have their own way of doing things yeah i think in the most part if you look at most successful entrepreneurs they have that same trait they want to be the ones making the decisions they want to be the ones shaping things and you have to build a team around you because you can't do everything but yeah i i do think that if you looked back at most of the people you know i listen a lot to diary of a ceo and i listen a lot to their origin stories and most people as they were growing up they just knew straight away they weren't built to work for someone else um but cut a long story medium i um <laughs> overheard my wife well, my now wife on the phone to her accountant at that time um and she'd been chasing him for weeks chasing him for months just for basic information about her self assessment how much to pay and he was obviously overworked delivering a crap service to her still charging her and i just thought you know what i'm qualified as an accountant i don't know exactly what i want to do but i want to run my own business so maybe this is something that i could start to do and so i made the decision then okay look i'm going to i'm going to emulate what this accountant is doing for kiran but just try and do it better try and have a better approach be more proactive not get over capacity not take on too many clients and then obviously as you know you know working at kpmg and doing audit or working in group finance it doesn't teach you how to do a self assessment return or a vat return or anything like that so i basically took a year got as many friends and family that i could to do their accounts for free which is another thing if you're going to be successful you have to be willing to take those first years you know as a rough luckily kiran was a dentist at that time so she was earning good money so she would pay for everything for the first year i think we turned over 25k or something in the first year because i basically wasn't charging people yeah. i was just saying give me your accounts over the last 3 years and i'll work out how to redo them yeah and then once i've worked it out i'll see if we can yeah. we can move forward so and that was it then we got our first office in soho 
started working directly with business owners. And do you know what? When it's an owner-managed business, which is the, the ideal client of Growth Factor, and the profits from their business directly are funding their lifestyle or funding their family and their kids and all of these things, if you can make them more financially successful, yeah. that has a direct impact on them yeah. and their families. And And that for me was like, I'm not sure if it's good practice to click your fingers on a podcast, but I won't, I won't click my fingers, but it was kind of like a light bulb going off. This is really fulfilling and I loved it. And I was happy to work seven days a week. And then I knew if you're happy to work on something seven days a week, you know, you're probably doing the right thing. Yeah. But in terms of um, putting yourself out there and trying to win clients, like you, you mentioned the first few, uh, you were done, they were done for free and there were family and friends, but what gives you that, that, I guess it's confidence or bullish nature that I can go out and do this for other people now. Yeah. And trying to win your first clients when you've only got 20K in, of turnover on the board. So, yeah, I think you need a bit of, um, I don't know, in my head, I've always had it as, which has been a detriment, which we can get onto later, but I've always had it as my role as a husband to provide. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I wanted the pride of being able to retire, Kieran. Yep. So in my head, every single day when I'm waking up, before I had kids, my initial motivation was, right, I need to get to 100K because then she can stop work. And she can choose to work or she can do whatever she wants. So I think you just have to find your own motivation. Yeah. My motivation, I think, in, it, in answer to your question, how do you just sort of walk cold into a room and start talking to pe people and pitching and get yeah. that confidence? You have to make it in your head like if you don't do that, your wife's not going to have enough money to eat dinner or you have to make up some false reality. Otherwise there's no urgency and there's no necessity. Yeah. You've got to challenge yourself, haven't you? Yeah. You've got to challenge yourself, but almost with a false reality. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if I don't go in and speak to this guy or girl and sign them as a client, I'm sleeping on the street tonight. Yeah. You have to sort of imagine that. Otherwise, is you just you're just not going to have the same level of drive and motivation and confidence to do it. Don't get me wrong; I was laughing with the kids the other day. Uh, I've got to speak on stage at Performex in the next few weeks, and I think that you know, I'm not saying I won't be nervous, but I'll walk on stage. I'll enjoy the process. I'll be confident because I've done it before. I used to go to uh, one of the ways we picked up clients in the early years was to go to incubators or shared offices and do talks. Yeah. I was sitting in the car for two hours before the talk, listening to motivational YouTubes and fist pumping <laughs> myself and listening to Tony Robbins and pumping myself up. So it was a big deal and it wasn't easy yeah. at all. Yeah, I don't need to do that now. And now I look back and think, why did I need to do that? Why didn't I just have confidence in my own ability to speak about a topic which I'm an expert yeah. in? Yeah. I remember when but, you sent me to BNI for the first time and I was stressing. Oh, which is and a networking which, event for yeah. those that don't so know. So it's a network. So BNI is a, it's like a, well, it, it's a networking event and you, and you have different groups in different locations and uh, in cities around the world, really. It's a worldwide thing with the idea that there's one accountant, one lawyer, one business coach, one insurance person, et cetera, et cetera. And you kind of cross-refer your clients or yeah. your contacts yeah. to each other. And each the, each each week you have to get up, and sometimes you have like a uh, it's, every week every person has to do a one minute talk on their business and say yeah. what they're looking for. You for have that to stand week. up in front of everyone at yeah. sort of six in the morning. Yeah, yeah, uncaffeinated. Uh, yeah, the one that the one that I I was designated to was six in the morning, which meant leaving my house at four in the morning to get on a train to get there at six in the morning. Yeah, uh, with with uh, you know added bonus of a fried breakfast or whatever it was in the morning. Um, it was at the Hilton Hotel in yeah, in, in Holborn, Holborn in yeah. Holborn, and I remember getting on the train and stressing about I've got to do this one minute talk, and then I got into the room and there were nine middle aged people in there. I'm thinking, I know how to talk to these people. It's actually not as bad as as yeah. um, as you as, build it up yeah. sometimes in yeah. your mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. If you go into a scenario as an entrepreneur and you're scared about something, it just reframe it. If you're giving a talk, people came to that talk to listen to you for a yeah. reason. Yeah. But yeah, you have to have that motivation to push through. Yeah. But it shows, I know it's kind of like you'll interview me and then I'll interview you, but it shows your level of commitment to Grow Factor and your level of commitment to your own career that a lot of people who join teams and have an employee mindset would straight away have said, why is Simon asking me to get up at four o'clock in the morning? I only work nine to five. Whereas 
you know, the, the mindset of someone that will move through the team to become an owner, an invaluable part of your business has to be that as an owner, you ask them to do those things and they don't even think about it. And it doesn't have to be at that time directly related to an end goal, yeah. a financial reward. Yep. It's just let yep. me work as hard as I can. This will benefit the business. Yep. And then what will be will be. Yeah. No, I, I remember it was because at that time, and we, we'll go through this, but at that time you were you were moving out of London, you're and you were setting up base elsewhere because of family additions. Oh, that's because we uh, lived in Stockwell in South London at this time. And while Stockwell is a lovely place for those of you that might live there, <laughs> I didn't want my kids to grow up and be drug dealers. So we decided to move to the suburbs of the yeah, Midlands yeah, in and, Solihull. And so, um, and so, yeah, whether the motivation for me was, you know, even linked thinking long-term or just, you know, this is something interesting for me to do. I've not, I've not had to do something like this before. Um, but yeah, but that, but that's which is a good point. Yeah. It's like constantly get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I think that to your original question, all of the jobs I had prior to starting Grow Factor were in a comfort zone and you're not learning. Yeah. And I do believe like as Tony Robbins said, every human being has to make daily progress in some form. Otherwise you can't be truly fulfilled. And that's it. You need to challenge yourself. That's probably why I started something. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to set yourself a goal. And, and that's even broken down into not just long-term, but even daily goals that every day you're working towards something and learning and, and actively working towards it. And I remember even you telling me one time about, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's captain of the ship. And so, oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know, there's you, a book called yeah, captain, captain of the, of the ship. ship. I can't yeah. remember who wrote it, but yeah. He says in the book, essentially the book is write down your goals in a piece of paper yeah. and have it in, in your pocket, in your shirt. Oh, that one is Jerry Roberts. Oh, sorry. Yeah, th that's not It Captain was how yeah. to write a book in two days. I did. I went and did his course. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm getting my book names confused, but essentially what it was, was you, you write your goals down, yeah. personal business, top five on each, put it in your piece, put it on a piece of paper and actually write them out every morning first, yeah, write yeah, them out yeah. every morning first, put it on a piece of paper and put it in your pocket. And then every now and then bring it out and have a look at it and saying, am I actively doing anything today to, to bring myself closer the to these yeah, goals? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so bringing that back is, you know, am I learning something new today? Am I, you know, doing, whether it's my own physical, uh, you know, fitness gains or whatever it is, am yeah. I, am I, doing a run today or am I going to the gym today? I'm just making sure that I've got those targets and you have yeah. to keep something. And this is all, all business owners will tell you, they've got this long-term plan, but they've always got to break it down into short installments so that they know how they're actively going to get there. Yeah. Chunk it down, chunk it down for sure. But anyway, moving back to our point on, in terms of um, how growth factor started, what was your routine like for the first few years? Because you started on your own. Yeah, so I used to um, work from, a, well, an ex-council flat in Stockwell that I lived in with Kieran. Used to have a tiny table that when you leant on it, it moved slightly because it wasn't level. Is this one of these round things from Ikea? Which is clever because in a small flat, all the chairs came in. Okay. Uh, I'm sure people have seen them before and the chairs form part of the table. So it's not actually taking up any space. So I'd sit on there you know, permanently damaging my back with a laptop because I had no budget and I'd go and visit people. So my routine then, I guess I have to think back, I had no sort of morning routine, no meditation, no sort of routine like I have now for mental well-being and, and productivity. It was just a case of simplicity. Okay, well, I've got Kieran's accounts to redo. Let me spend the morning doing that. The afternoon, there's a few networking events on that I can go and attend, so let me do that come back, maybe go to the gym, have some dinner in the evening. There's yeah. another talk going on, so yeah. I'll go to that. So I would split my days between kind of doing work and learning and just getting out there and meeting people. Yeah. yeah. And, and when do you know then when is the right time to hire someone and, and bring someone on board to help you with that workload? Yeah, I think I've, so our first hire was someone called Sharana, who was great. Um, she was a qualified accountant i want to say or a part qualified accountant i think that i just acknowledge that my time doing delivery so if you're in a service business this will apply to you was 
getting fully taken up by actually doing work. And I knew now how to do a self-assessment, how to do tax planning, how to do a VAT return, how to do annual accounts, how to do manage management accounts, you know, how to file for HMRC authorizations, all the millions of things that we have to know how to do as an accountant, just to do the basic accounting, which is all we were doing then. We weren't doing any strategic advice. We weren't doing in-depth tax planning, just your regular bread and butter accounting. And so my, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm bringing in 10K a month now, let's say. It was probably less than that when I hired. I can afford to bring someone in and pay them three, which frees up my time if I can train them. I probably get 30 hours back. And then instantly I can put that 30 hours back into sales and marketing. So I think that you have to hire as soon as you can. And the two reference points are cash flow and your time. Yeah. And you need to acknowledge, I, I mean, I acknowledge that my, I am not an integrator. I'm not someone that follows things through. I'm more of a visionary. You know this. I love to come up with ideas. I love discussions. I love our monthly team meetings like yeah. we had yesterday. But I don't want to come up with a great idea and then actually implement the idea. Yeah. So I wanted to get away from actually doing the VAT returns and the bookkeeping as quickly as I can. Yeah, so it's a um, conscious decision that you don't want to get bogged down in the day-to-day. -day yeah, you have to stay as yeah. much as possible while supporting and overseeing yeah. that person, but also recognizing that I did still enjoy going out to clients. So yeah. at that point, we were not remote. Now Growth Factor is fully Zoom-based, fully remote organization. We don't do in-person client meetings. The only time I guess we'd meet a client is if, you know, maybe they were selling their business for 50 million and we needed to go down and meet investors or present a pitch or some kind of extraordinary circumstance. But back then I was getting on the tube and traveling once yeah. a month to every client at month end to present their financial statements. Yeah. So I would do that piece and then Sharana would get everything ready for me Yeah. so that I could just pick up the file and take that with me. Yeah. And, and that was, yeah, that was the start of us hiring a team. What were the struggles in the early days? Could there guess, be struggles different to what you have now? Yeah, totally different. I mean, we've been going for 12 years, so it's hard to look back. I think if you look at the first few years, the struggle, although I wasn't aware of it at that time, was lack of knowledge and understanding about what I should be doing. Case in point, I mentored an accountancy founder last year and got them to six figures within a year because I already know all the right things to do. Now, in hindsight, you know, what I should have done is gone and found a mentor with a proven track record of scaling businesses, either of their own or their clients in my industry. Yeah. And then instead of trying to constantly bang my head against the wall, you know, what do I do to attract clients? What do I do to convert clients? And then I'm kind of okay with the delivery, but how do I innovate my delivery service model to differentiate myself from my competitors. Those were all the things that I didn't really think about. I got too much into the day-to-day. -day. So I wouldn't say I struggled. I enjoyed those days and they felt productive yeah. and I was having fun and I was enjoying myself. And it was, there was a sense of pride in where I got to. But the struggle looking back in hindsight was that I wasn't doing the right things in the right priority order. And I could have made progress so much more quickly. I think we've learned this from uh, just through the journey, but also from yeah, any of these motivational or business speakers will tell you the same thing. Two things. One, if you want to be good at anything, whether it's good at your business, whether it's good at tennis, good at whatever it is, you hire a coach. Yeah, 100%. The quickest way to get somewhere yeah. and progress the fastest is to hire a one-to-one -one person that, that you can Yeah, and it doesn't need on. to be super complex. Yeah. Like what, yeah. what I realize now is, so if you're a business owner, you can hire an accountant yeah. that also offers advisory services yeah. and they can give you a one-page plan yeah. to say, do this, this, and this this year and your business will move forward. Yeah. It's not complicated because if you've got an accountant, for example, that's worked with businesses for 12 years like we have, we can say, well, you're at 10K a month at the moment, or you're at a million and you're an e-commerce business and you want to get to five. Yeah. Based on our experience of working with e-commerce businesses that have gone from one to five, here's where you need to focus. And it may be at that level, you also bring in a coach, mentor, a fractional COO, um, which is a new term to me I learned this <laughs> week, basically a part-time chief operating officer, or you bring in a part-time 
CFO yeah. or CMO, yeah. Chief Marketing Officer, but you need to start building people around you as quickly as possible. And if you're a smaller business, even if you're, say, self-employed, you can afford to get a coach. You just need to pick them really carefully. Yeah, You only need to talk to them once a month. And I guarantee you that the accountability of knowing oh, I'm going to speak to my mentor or coach in a couple of weeks, I better get that list of things done that we agreed to do, will mean you get so much more done. Yeah, the accountability is what the coach is there for, right? Even, yeah. even when your kids are playing football, when they do a good shot, they're looking to see if the coach is looking. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and I take them to a football coach. Yeah because he's so much better, so much more patient, yeah. more effective at coaching football than I am. Exactly. And also then if you were doing the same thing, it just stops you from having to spend the hours researching and watching YouTube tutorials or whatever it yeah, may be. because to, to, he's to, got to, years and years of exactly. experience of doing it. Exactly. And yeah. then the other thing in terms, of, in terms of coaching, I'd say is having a network of people around you, like-minded people around you. Yeah. So you can have a... You know, it's proximity is power, right? So you, yeah. you so you have the knowledge, and you can bounce ideas of each other, and you, and you all have a similar mindset, and you're all thinking big. Yeah. And if you have that one bad sheep in that network, and and this is whether it's your group of friends or whether it's in your family, then it's going to bring the whole thing down. So you have to make sure that everyone around you is of a similar mindset. To yeah, you. I guess yeah. that reminds me, like the answer to your question, really around struggle and routine is. I was just doing it all on my own. Yeah. So the struggle was kind of feeling lonely and not having that network. You know, once we found each other, it was different because we talk every day about things and that's so helpful. And now we have a mentor outside of the business yeah. and things like that. But the struggle probably was don't try and do everything on your own, right? How do you adapt it? You know, you, you've now moved away from Stockwell. You, you've yeah. got uh, young kids, young boys. How do yeah. you adapt your routine and your life and the way you run the business? Yeah, so this is one thing I'm really proud of. I mean, also proud of Kieran for supporting me. She agreed when the kids were little that she would do most of the childcare through the week in terms of getting up in the night and these kind of things. And I would do everything on the weekend or it might be a long weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so we worked really well as a team. In terms of my routine, that meant that I would still want to spend time with them because that's the priority for me, family first, always. And so I would get up at four in the morning, um, work from four till seven, because that's when the kids woke up after getting up in the night. And so I would, which I still do now, have a block of work to get that most important thing done whether at that time it was a proposal for a new client it was you know working on a, a new deck for a presentation I was going to do whether it was actually client work whatever the most pressing thing was I would remove all my distractions no phone no nothing I'd go down I had a um, a coffee machine at that time I'd make a coffee come back upstairs no food hydrate and just focus for three hours. And then I know, like if I don't get anything else done for the rest of the day, I've still made progress. I'd spend time with the kids from seven till nine. I would always drop them in the morning to, excuse me, to nursery or school. And then while they're at nursery or school, I would go back and do a second block of work, take a bit of a lunch break, probably go to the gym, Gym has been always throughout my whole life since 14 and I lied to get myself in the gym <laughs> saying I was 16 and non-negotiable. Five days a week, I like to have the weekends off. I need to train. That's my form of therapy and meditation. And I guess around that time, I would, or I found the power of meditation and morning routines. That was kind of around the time when I had kids that I found Tony Robbins. And so, I mean, I skipped the part actually where I'd wake up and for the first half an hour, I'd do Tony Robbins priming exercise, which you can find for free on YouTube. But any form, I think if you get up and go straight into work, you're not as effective as if you get up and follow a routine. Yeah. And so- Which is even more prevalent now, right? With all this working from home. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, I'll, I mean, I'll share my current routine, which I do some of the time, not all of the time. I feel like if I do this every day, I'll be super optimal. But yeah, when you've got kids and you've got a business and you've got other things going on, you don't always get time. So I'll do a shortcut version. So the full version, if I've got time, 
So back then, just to finish that off, I would do another third afternoon block of work. I'd finish work about three o'clock and I've got nine, 10 hours done so that then I could go pick the kids up from nursery and I could spend time in the afternoon with my family. Yeah. So that was still really important. I'd rather get up at four o'clock in the morning and then have that back end of the day. I've always been someone that I can wake up and just go. My yeah. brain is on it. But if you ask me a question after four o'clock, I'm done. So, do, so in that case and where you've got your own different hours now, you have to leverage more on the team yeah, um, to make sure that the clients are, are getting what they want because they're not waking up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, so, so how have you, how did you build your team uh, and how has the team grown since, since the start then? Um, so I'll answer that, but let me finish my daily routine. Otherwise I'll forget it. So now, just cause I think this might be useful for people and it's actually going to be, actually, no, I'll come back to it because I want every person that comes on this podcast to give three keys. I'm going to ask you as well for three keys, just short, sharp, three takeaways that listeners to this podcast can. I'm always looking over here cause it's the first time we've done it. And I'm always checking that we've got three cameras running <laughs> and the microphone's still got a red <laughs> light on yeah, it. Yeah, with the records, with the record signs. Um, so we set up this podcast studio and I spent so much time thinking about lights, background, you know, everything. And ideally I wanted my uh, videographer to come and oversee, yeah. but he went and got COVID. Yeah, yeah. So Yasser and I have set up the mics. We've set up the video. So hopefully. Yeah. And we're ignoring the person knocking on the door. And we're ignoring the person. So my <laughs> podcast room is in my dining room, which my wife is so happy. If any of you follow me on Instagram, you'll see. Is so happy that uh, I took over her dining room with microphones, wires, cloud lifters, mixers, three cameras, three lights, and all sorts is happening. Yeah. But yeah, I'll come back to the routine. So in terms of team, we just hired people for delivery at that time. I got a business coach to help me with business planning and scaling. We didn't hire anyone, I don't think at that time, for marketing and things of that nature. It was mainly around hiring people to take me away from having to do the client work. So it's having one accountant, then two accountants, then three accountants. And then I think we met when we, or I can't really remember, I identified that I just needed someone who didn't need coaching and support. Because I mean, if you're hiring people into your business and they're junior, you're still going to have to spend time coaching them. So if you've got five accountants who are junior, you've now gone from being able to sort of alleviate 30 hours of your time every time you hire someone to now spending 30 hours mentoring supporting yep. and managing them yeah and so now you have to bring in someone to take that away from you because if you're a ceo you really need to bring in a coo to manage your client facing team i mean we're a service business not a retail product business so the structure of a retail business will be different and we'll have guests on who run very successful e-commerce or physical retail businesses and so the idea was that you could come on at that time and support those accountants, removing that management time yeah. from me. Yeah. So um, as, a, as a natural progression, if you are the artist in the business, you've got to remove yourself from running that business. Okay. So now you've grown your team, you've hired a COO. Yeah. What else did you actively have to do to transition to become a CEO? I think just recognizing and redoing role profiles for each person. So then we agree that you'd be COO. So you're taking care of people and you're taking care of process and you're making sure that ultimately the client work is being done to the required standard. Everything's getting out the door in the right way and everything else, all the workflow is your, your area. So my area then, what is it? Well, it's sales, it's marketing, it's creating content and it's creating the business plan and the strategy. So without going into too much detail, because we could do a whole podcast on what it is to be an effective CEO. Ultimately, the short answer is role profiles for each person and staying on profile for me, which for me meant mostly sales, marketing, leadership, and setting the vision and the direction. Okay. 
And what about tracking your own finances? Yeah, this is an interesting one because I, I ran a report at 10 years. I think we both had this conversation and we realized that we built the business up to a multi seven figure business. However, our net profits, which is, you know, the distributable cash for us was almost the same as the first two or three years. So what we've done is we, and, and I'm sure lots of you will associate with this, you know, you're growing your business, but the cash balance is not necessarily going up in line with the growth of the business. And that's because you become inefficient. You've tried out software products that you're not using anymore and you're still paying for them. You've not looked and thought about the fact that each member of staff who's doing delivery should be generating at least four or five times their cost in income. You've not analyzed your own numbers because you're so focused on your clients. So no, I didn't focus my own finances. Our profit margin was probably about 10, 10 or 15%, which is ridiculous for a service business that's remote. And so I remember that we had the discussion of moving to, well, we had the discussion of how do we get our profit margin up? And so together we implemented, if you remember, just all the principles that are in our triple your cash flow toolkit, which is, you know, one of them is reviewing your overheads. So we decided to move to being a remote organization. We decided to have much more of a focus on our offshore teams and have our UK team be much more high level. We made other various changes. We started budgeting, which you're in control of now. We started doing forecasting. And the result of that was at the end of the year, our profits trip, our profits doubled and our cash flow for that year actually tripled. So to have a year where your income only goes up marginally, but your cash flow triples was incredible. And that then was a bit of a pivotal moment for us that we do need to focus on our own finances in the same way that we're delivering to our clients. Yeah. So, and, and now we have those penciled in, right? So we have monthly reviews of our finances but also yeah. quarterly overhead reviews and yeah and even a weekly we have a sales and marketing dashboard yeah. which you're in charge of which ultimately tells us now if we're having this many people book into calendly if we're having this many activities this many emails are getting sent this many instagram posts this many linkedin posts this many connection requests we can track that activity all the way through because we've been collecting the data to what our likely client acquisition is and so we're much more focused without it doesn't need to be super complex. We have a client retention target, which is pretty much 99%. And we have a new client or new revenue acquisition target. So, so long as we're focused and we can see that we're trending towards those targets, we know that the business is moving in the right direction. Um, but yeah, finances is key. You know, the number one reason that businesses fail is a lack of understanding of finances by the owner. And we shouldn't have a lack of understanding because we are chartered accountants. However, we have had a lack of focus in the past yeah and so and so it's key then that everyone or, or, or what we've done is make sure we have targets that yeah. we are actively working towards yeah and if the targets aren't quite right you, they can be agile they're not fixed you know you you work around you work projects to make sure that you can hit those targets and if it's not working then change the way of working or change the targets in a different way and, and make sure you're working towards it yeah like for example we have metrics and last year we realized that our client retention went down under 99%. And so most of our focus last year was on reworking what we're actually delivering to clients, seeking feedback from clients, doing net promoter score, putting in place a client communication program, just really talking to clients for the first time actually, and asking them, what did they want? What are we doing really well? What are we not doing so well? So sometimes in your business, you have to take a step back from trying to grow all the time in order to fix other things. But if you're not measuring the right key performance indicators like client retention, you can't identify where the weaknesses are. And, you know, in business, I always think about it like a wheel or spokes on a wheel. If you're going to go really quickly, and I love mountain biking, so I love to go quickly, you want a round wheel, okay? And each of those spokes, let's say there's eight of them, are the key core eight areas in your business. And you need to identify where the weaknesses are because the weaknesses are causing your spokes to be smaller. I mean, this makes sense in my head. Hopefully it makes sense if you can visualize a wheel. Now imagine a wheel where you have to draw a line between all the spokes, but the spokes are not the same size. You're not going to go very fast, are you? So people talk about always playing to your strengths, but I actually think you should work on your weaknesses yeah. in business yeah. so that you have a well-rounded business that doesn't have issues in individual areas. Like you could be bringing in loads of new clients, but because you're not delivering to them in a, in a, in a massive value, 
they're leaving after yep. 12, 18 months. Yep. You could be selling products and your Facebook ads are working amazing, your conversion on your page is good, your revenue's growing, but your returns are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. So what are your three key takeaways then that you'd share that have contributed to your success that you, yeah. think you, that you can share? Well, for today, because as you know, I can talk forever. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna say, and I thought about this this morning, management of my own time. And that's what we spoke about in terms of what am I doing with my time? And is that keeping me in my zone of genius? And the second part to that is having a good morning routine, evening routine and daily routine to make sure that I'm not overwhelmed. I'm working on the right things. I'm focusing with my time. So time management is something I've studied you know, a lot for years, read so many books. And I think it's super important for a CEO to have their routine that works for them. Second would be mindset. Uh, the biggest shift for me was when I went to Business Mastery before we came or became a business partner with Tony Robbins and a global accounting advisor. I went as an attendee, as you know, and just being around people who have a positive growth mindset I mean, I have this group with two of my friends and every morning they send me a message which says LFG. Um, I won't swear on the podcast, but let's something go. And that doesn't mean let's go crazy and let's not be calm and think and focus. It just means think big, be positive, make big moves. So mindset is massive, absolutely massive, whether you're selling, whether you're delivering to, to a client, whether you're trying to be in the right frame of mind to have creative ideas, giving yourself, giving yourself space to think through the week, super important. And the third key would be constant learning. I mean, even now, 12 years in, my third block from three, so I work sort of nine to 11, have a half an hour break, trying to work a routine that's uh, inspired by Andrew Huberman, who is a super smart guy, love his podcast, so it's have a morning routine, go to the gym in the morning, da, 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 da. Anyway, first work block, second work block, third work block, and then three to five is my admin where I clear some personal admin, and then I'll do at least 60 to 90 minutes of learning. At the moment, I'm doing a course on LinkedIn, um, organic and personalized outreach on LinkedIn. And so I, I'll sign up to different platforms, I'll sign up to different courses. I probably spend between 20, 30,000 a year on self-development and it's you don't have to spend that much money but it's uh, it should be a significant percentage of your earnings should go straight back into developing your own skills as a CEO so three keys would be time management and effective use of your time as a CEO um, having a big and positive mindset and constant learning and development nice yeah that would be it so Now's about time, I think. That's a good place to switch over to you. So I think we should come back because we've already been running for 71 minutes and I think we should <laughs> come back and do actually, not even like it's a podcast for us to attract ideal clients, but actually a podcast episode for people that work within businesses that will help them transition from team member to potentially owner or have an equity stake in a business. And I think that would be really useful to, to dive in for a much longer period into your journey. But just to give a bit of that and a bit of a teaser, I guess, today, just talk to me about your journey. Where were you when we met? Um, why did you leave that role? And then we can go from there. Yeah, okay. So um, I remember sitting at work. I was working in an accountancy firm doing audits. Like we've all been through the audit uh, route. Um, I was a senior audit manager at a big um, accountancy firm. I think it was the biggest ACCA firm in the country. And out of the blue, I got a work on the phone uh, that was at my desk in my office yeah. from a recruiter saying, "You're, you know, we're looking to uh, fill a role as a partner in another accountancy firm." And I just put the phone down and said, "Who's this trying to uh, try, <laughs> trying to cold call me?" Yeah. Um, Although I was um, not actively looking for a role at the time, but it doesn't mean to say I was not 
a hundred percent happy in my job at that time. Yeah. But like you said, you know, you, you, you're, you're in a job where you're in your comfort zone. You're, you're, you're doing your hours, you go home and you, yeah. and you do your own things. And, yeah. um, but so I said, you know, it makes no harm to, to meet this guy, meet this Simon Kalu, who see, yeah. see what he's all about. But, you know, I think it just, it was just a good personal connection when we first, when we first met and it was, you know, we were similar ages and we'd come from kind of similar kind of backgrounds and, yeah, and planning and, families. And, yeah, yeah. And things like that. And, and it made sense for me to actively pursue what this opportunity was about and, um, put myself into a situation where I wasn't really sure where this business was going to go at that time and, yeah. and not even have too many people to ask, you know, what, what kind of, th what should I be asking this guy? Because <laughs> yeah. it's not like I'm going from, one made you know a corporate from one to another corporate to another you, corporate. you were at a big firm in practice they're like a top 10 top 20 firm yeah, in practice so perceived right. financial security perceived career security exactly and thinking about giving that up for promises of joining a startup exactly that exactly. That, exactly that are making i don't know we're probably turning over 200k at that yeah point. and 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 the role profile that i remember being sent through was all about sales or not all about, but a, a big part of it was doing sales and, and helping out with marketing yeah, and yeah. growing a business. And I had very little exposure to that. And I think that was probably one of the main reasons that attracted me to the role yeah. was doing something completely different, still having the core um, knowledge and skills of doing accounting, but doing a different part of the business, which you wouldn't uh, normally or usually get exposure to it in the kind of yeah, or it would take a long time before yeah. you became a sales director. Yeah. Not many people get that opportunity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. Um, and what I guess was your journey when you joined Grow Factor from being ultimately you came in as a as a team member. You know, you came in on a kind of like a, a graduate chartered accountant salary. Yeah, I've, yeah, I felt uh, at that and, point, and you've built yourself to the point where you're an owner. You know you're making high six figures, you're in control of your destiny. When the business grows, your ability to fund your lifestyle grows. And that's totally different from where you started. And it's been a long journey. I don't want to say how many years. <laughs> I think, yeah, more than, more than eight now. Yeah. So what was the transition from team to owner from your perspective? Because that didn't come from you, did it? You never asked, actually. Hey, listen, I think I'm doing this, or I want this, or I think I'm doing. You've never done that, actually. No, I, I, I don't think it was a goal of mine when I first um, got the or got. Or I don't think it was a goal of the business that that's yeah. what would naturally uh, it would naturally progress to. Yeah, you're right. When I came on as um, initially, it was just as a senior accountant, I think, and I yeah. still had some responsibility of reviewing and overseeing some of the junior members of staff that or the members of the team that we, all, that we already had meetings. yeah going to you know and doing doing extra bits like that but generally i was still learning a lot on the job even yeah. in my first few months because like you said doing an audit role versus doing a doing a practical or a practice uh, accounting role was completely different so yeah. i was having to learn yeah. how to do what these dividend tax credits are in, in a self-assessment I, mm. I had no idea um, and, you know, just in, and, and, but, um, the, pr the practice SRK, or as it was known as SRK, SRK accounting. Yeah. yeah. SRK so whenever accounting. anyone Googled it, they would come up with Sharuk Khan. <laughs> those of you that don't know, it's a very famous Bollywood actor. Yeah. And, and so even then at that point, the, the systems and the platforms that were being used were way more technological and way more advanced than I think I'd seen in, in other accounting firms. And yeah. so that was a good eye opener for me that look, this is how it can be done differently. But I think for me, the, the progression was being able to have, you know, I wasn't looking after junior members of, of the team really in that they were junior in that they were trainees and accountants, but they probably had more knowledge than me on certain things. Yeah. But it was the way that you can actively collaborate as a team, work on things together, share ideas together. Yeah. And and quite quickly, I think, and hopefully they would agree to this, I built a trust with them yeah. that they were able to come to me and, and use me for any kind of accounting gee questions or dealing with client questions because I had exposure to those kind of things. So it was nice in that way that they were able to, to use me for that. And that's where I think I found a niche or or a specialism in that I knew how to um, be relatable with 
clients or be relatable with team members mm. and and provide that as an experience that, that they could also utilize what do you think uh, would be a, p- a piece of advice because we'll come back to it for not business owners but those that are working within small businesses to support the business owner and progress their own career yes in terms of helping you or, or the business owner i think my main piece of advice would be to just always work hard and i don't mean put hours in working hard doesn't mean working from four o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night and and neglecting everything else it's just making sure that you are understanding what's required of you yeah and making sure those things are, are getting done i remember we talked about this actually a lot that if you if you were to give me a piece of work or a responsibility i always make sure that i got that thing done yeah, and it wouldn't ever be left by the wayside, or it wouldn't get half done. Making sure that everything gets done, and because you've got to always think that there's accountability to to me. Yeah. If I don't get things done, then it, who is it going to impact, or is it going to impact negatively on me because I haven't got that thing done? You're taking an owner's responsibility for it, right? I think that's the main thing: is that you can either go into the role being that dog's body, or you can go into it treating it like it's your own business, even yeah. if you are not the owner. So yeah. you treating the income targets as having a as having an impact on you if even you were if to it get doesn't. Yeah, even, even if, if it doesn't. doesn't. Even yeah. if it doesn't. And even are the cash balances of the business going up, even if it doesn't directly impact on me, but making sure that I have that drive to make sure that I'm actively hitting those numbers. Yeah, and my advice would be that as well. If you ask for things, it will make the owner think this person's only in it for remuneration and reward. Actually, the smart thing to do is just work hard and act as an owner. And eventually you'll end up being invaluable. Make yourself invaluable to the owner and you will be rewarded in the long term because they can't live without you. The other piece for owners is hire a senior person. When they become invaluable, make sure you speak to them make sure you retain them, make sure you're not selfish with your equity and you distribute that among the people that you cannot afford to lose. And the only other thing I was going to say is, and you've spoken about it, is mindset. So okay. you've, got to, you've got to have that mindset of a business owner, even if you're not, to think big and think this is what I want in the future, even yeah. if you're not doing it at the start. And and if you build that mindset and then it, then it shows to the business owner that this is what you want to do. Yeah. Um, but mainly just having targets that you're actively working towards. Yeah. And they can be dreams, uh, you know, and maybe completely pie in the sky. Yeah. But if you put yourself in that position, then, then you know, things will start happening for you. Yeah, so think big. Yeah. And think like an owner and you'll become one. Yeah. Right? Awesome. Thank you guys for joining us for the first episode of Founder Stories by Grow Factor. I always love talking to Yasser, which is why I call him every day and bother him with my uh, questions and we chat things through. I hope you found today's discussion useful. Uh, I hope it gives you a bit of context to who Grow Factor are and what we do, um, what our story has been, how we've got to where we are. Um, You can look forward to, in future, as I said, guests coming on with relatable, real-world, practical advice, insight, and motivation. Super excited to get going with the rest of the series. And yeah, if you loved the episode, if you enjoyed it, if you got something from it, please don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast uh, platform you're on or if you're watching on YouTube and you will get a notification next time an episode goes live. Hey guys, so I just want to take a second to acknowledge our sponsor, Grow Factor. Grow Factor is a chartered accountancy that specializes in helping owner-managed businesses fulfill their profit potential. They have a three-step model where they help business owners master their finances, minimize their taxes, and have a strategic growth plan that is guaranteed to help them grow their profit and cash flow in the short and long term. So if you want to achieve success on your terms in your business, visit www.growfactor.com where they are offering a free financial review call on that call they will do three things and this will be one-to-one with simon the host of founder stories 
They'll review your financial strategy and identify ways on the call that you can increase your profit and cash flow. They'll review your tax planning and point out all of the areas and there are almost always areas where you're overpaying tax. So you can instantly save tax or go and get a tax refund. And they'll help review your strategy and give you insights and actions such that you can grow your business more effectively and get more reward out of all the hard work that you put in in your business day to day. So that's www.growfactor.com. Book your free financial review call today.